Hello, and thank you for checking out This Is Just A Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Just a few reminders before we get started with this episode. I just want to remind everybody to go over to the Facebook group at This Is Just A Phase and check out updates on uh, past and present episodes, um, as well as some show updates for bands featured and uh, a bunch of additional information uh, like music videos and uh, other cool things that uh, a lot of the people that are part of the group uh, post on there. Um, if Facebook isn't your thing, uh, you can go ahead and check out my Instagram at jonathankent.311. Um, I post updates on episodes featured, uh, a lot of the same stuff too, um, just a different platform. Uh, with that being said, uh, this episode with Gatlin uh, was a lot of fun to record. Um, I actually did it live uh, in Rick's basement following a practice by them. Um, there was a little bit of sound quality issues. I tried to boost it up uh, real good. And at one point, we actually got cut off with the recording. Uh, so that last little section was kind of splicing later on. Um, with that being said, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, Jay and the Prozacs, take us away. And you've got no self-esteem There's a hole inside your head With no future to be seen Let's go Let's go Let's go Every day you wake up with the same worry On this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with all of the members of the Youngstown, Ohio punk band, Gatlin. We chat about how the band first formed, the influences on each of them, the Ohio and Pennsylvania scenes, local venues we all enjoyed growing up with, and not caring about the so-called punk police. We also discuss their inclusion on This Is Just a Compilation, as well as their debut self-titled EP being released on December 10th through This Is Just a Record Label, as well as their CD release show the following day at the Wickyards in Youngstown, Ohio. The show also features other bands from the compilation, Letters and One If By Land, as well as another great local band, It's All Been Done. So sit back and get to know the guys on this episode of This Is Just a Phase. Here's the track from that self-titled EP entitled Wrench. Let's 
Okay, guys, uh, I'm here with Gatlin. Um, they're from Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, we're talking about their band and um, their uh, CD release party that'll be coming up here in just a week and a half. And uh, we're just going to be shooting the shit and talking about the band. So uh, I have next to me, I have uh, AJ on vocals and guitar. Good evening. I have Eric on bass over here. And I got Rick on drums. Hey. Um, thank you guys for being on the podcast. I um, appreciate it. Thank you guys for um, taking the time. I'll let me hear you guys practice again and, and just shit the shit and getting caught up. Um, I wanted, I've been wanting to have you guys on for a while. And, you know, with the comp, com- with the comp being put out and uh, you guys working with this is just a record label for your self-titled EP release. Figured this was the perfect time to have you guys on and kind of let the listener know um, how you guys got started, what were your influences and stuff like that. So I'm going to address each person at the beginning, singular, and then we can just kind of just have an open forum after that, just so that people get to know who you are individually first, and then we'll go ahead and do that. So um, you guys started, when did you guys start? Me and Ricky started about five years ago. I was on guitar, bass player. We had, um, didn't work out, so I switched over to bass, and then Rick found AJ, mm-hmm. and yeah. then he was the man we needed in the band. Yeah. Nice. So how'd you guys get in touch with each other? Like, how'd that come about? We had another, like, whole thing going on. It was just a friends of a friends thing. And um, it was uh, Kelly from Harnessing the Sun actually reached out to me because I'd like, I was always hanging around with them and going to their shows and shit like that. And, oh, uh, you're allowed to swear, right? Yeah, you're allowed okay, to swear. Okay, all right, very good. I say, I say, uh, fuck, I say fuck like 20 right, times an episode. All right, all right very good. Um, and uh, they had Rick and uh, uh, our other friend Rick and Kelly had another thing going on, and they were looking for a guitar player and or vocalist, whatever. I came over. And then, like, super long story short, it didn't pan out. It was a uh, just sort of a one-off thing, right? Like a, yeah. It was like a jam session. We jammed a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. those guys were trying to get a band going, and it didn't pan out. And so then, at this point, whatever, a few weeks had gone by, and then Ricky reached out to me, and I came over, and we started tinkering. And then Ricky got a hold of Eric, and uh, we just started doing our thing. Yep. And now here we are. So that's really the circumstance, I think. Right? That, basically. <laughs> that was it. Essentially, it was, just, um, it was just me and Eric bouncing back and forth. We kind of knew we wanted to do something. We had songs, um, and we just couldn't find the right pe- people to play. And um, once he came over to jam, I seen he had all the tricks, and I just knew he was the guy. Um, some of the things he was doing on guitar, I just thought would fit perfectly for Gatlin. And... Uh, Eric was open to jumping from guitar to bass in order for us to get this rolling, and uh, since then it's been on cruise control.
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through each one of you. I'm gonna start with AJ because I've known AJ the longest. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, me and AJ go back 20 years. We come from the same Newcastle uh, punk scene in Western Pennsylvania, and uh, I know a little bit of his backstory. So we'll get that out of the way <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, basically, yeah, that was that. I mean, like. Technically, I was the uh, Slippery Rock guy, but I ended up hanging out with all of you guys and everybody. Like, yeah. all, all, all of the bands were in Newcastle because Slippery Rock has nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere, and it's just a thing that exists uh, out there. It's like Twilight Zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the Children of the Corn or something. So, um, Children of the Corn. Exactly. Yeah, which is where, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that, where, that's, where, the, that's where Eric, I think you, right? Yeah. yeah, got the name. And then, um, yeah, so I ended up in like the whatever weirdo metal scene that was going on back then. And uh, playing in all of the... All of those bands throughout that entire scene, uh, never anything like this. Usually more of like a metal-ish type of vibe we had going on. Edge of existence and then yeah, strong theoretic. Yeah, right? edge of existence and uh, strong theoretic and another band. When summer's gone, we actually cut a full-length record uh, with those guys. We did that up in Cleveland. And then just sort of bounced around. And then I disappeared for a little while. I was gone here and there and elsewhere. Um, and this was like my first serious foray into like an actual real, like listenable, like punk rock type of thing because, because everything else was just madness. It was, he's, it, he's selling himself short. It, even though he played metal, it was still listenable. Yeah. Like I, I will have his back. You know, and the thing is, is with AJ, it was like, I, I, I've said, I've said this multiple times. Um, even though he played in metal bands, he was the punk kid playing in metal bands. Yeah, I was... Like, he would, me and him would sit at Kings and bullshit about punk bands, even though he was playing in kind of new metal-ish kind of bands. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and I, w- I was the guy that was always tricking my other bandmates into, like, covering, like, a Misfit song here, or, like, a yeah. Menzinger song there, or yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then here we are. But, yeah, we crossed paths millions of times back then so yeah we would the kings was the place that was where we would sit until all hours of the night because very few of us were even old enough to like go to a bar yeah because perkins burned down the second time yeah and we said fuck perkins because they kept burning down so we were like let's just go to kings and we could smoke and it was 24 hours and there was they had a manager his name was bear claw and he's this big dude, and he had like a beard, and he's kind of like what I look like now. I called him. I, 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 I called him Wolfgang. He had a mustache, yeah. like uh, with like a handlebar type of thing. It was just very unusual. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we would sit there and uh, drink tea and eat cheese sticks with ranch all night, and uh, back in the smoking section and yeah. bug the shit out of them. And that was like everybody up there was part of that whole band scene. Yeah. Because there was actually a substantial scene back then, and there were some bands that actually did very well. Um, and then that eventually uh, petered out, and then uh, for a town of thirty thousand people, I think we had like thirty, thirty-five bands at one it point was, at the height, dude. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was madness. Awesome. And we were the token punk band. Yeah, like everybody else, like you said, everybody else was metal or some kind of side of metal. Yeah. and then we had like grungier bands, like, and then I think like maybe like stuff like Simon Fear. I don't know how they would have been seen in the scene, but most of the bands were like. Like more like the metal side, but we were all friends with each other. It wasn't like we, you know, just because we were in a punk band that I wasn't friends with all the metal guys, yeah. you know, whether in their band or Mind Latch or 
God, the countless million other bands that we could name drop. Yeah, there, there was, well, like, there was a band called Less Than Zero that was doing, vi- they got kind of out there a little bit. And uh, they were, again, like a new metal, hardcore-ish type of thing, but they were like the big guys around there at that point mm-hmm. in time. And we That just, was my first Newcastle show, actually. It was them in, uh, in anti, Anti-Hero. Yeah. It was yeah, at yeah. the Shenango Fire Hall. That was my first Newcastle show. Yeah, always. Yeah, we mm-hmm. did all. We, yeah, we did all that shit. We did the the fire hall shows, and if you may remember, there was a there was a show, a pretty big one that we a big one in quotes that yeah. we that we played that was uh, my band and Ivette and Less Than Zero, and it was at that attic place. It was that thing that was above Jimmy Bowles owned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it it was above a piercing and tattoo shot. And it was just a giant empty The basement room. was a tattoo shop And the attic was the all ages venue it Above was, it, yeah it, it was an all ages venue And somehow They would get these ridiculous turnouts there mm-hmm. And that was the scene back then Yeah And then uh, I still talk to Jimmy, dude Jimmy? He's, yeah, he, dude. He, he, He's alive, thank God So yeah. uh, He's yeah. a chef for Facebook I, Nothing would surprise yeah. me <laughs> at, at this point So But uh, yeah, he, he used to put all that shit together He was the best And um uh, and that was the scene. That was what happened. And yeah, to about what? About 2007? Probably somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, we had the Youngstown scene and people that were going on there, so I'll take it to Rick next because I don't know a lot about your past, even though we've been talking close to, what, like three years now. Yeah. Um, I really don't know your past in, in the scene before before you started with Gatlin. Yeah, um, so we did have a, a little scene, um, you know, basically the same one you guys are talking about, <laughs> the same time period as when we were jamming and playing a lot of shows. <clears throat> we did a lot of stuff in Ohio. We did play the Nyabingi, we played Cedars, we played, uh, it's basically the, the new Cedars was called the Splash at the time period, but I was in a band called LSM with another guy named Angelo Scordo, who is also still an active musician. He's in a band called The Sentiments, unless they decide to change our names again <laughs> before they start playing again. But um. Yeah, we did a lot of playing and a lot of hanging out, a lot of old school bands, uh, Johnny Three, The Conceited. Um, after that time period, I moved on to playing with a band called Violent Offense. Um, we played a lot of shows um, towards Akron, Annabelle's, Lime you played with You played with a lot with DCD, Dead City Dealers back in the day. That was yeah. Sam's band, yeah, Sam, Sam, yeah. And, Sam and Chris. Yeah, yeah, we talked to them guys a lot. We did play with them. Um, after that, I played with Race Riot um, on their first their first actual lineup of a band. We played a few big shows in Cleveland. Um, we just got around. I've been playing drums. Since I didn't know you played with Race Ride. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no Steve shit. I was the first live drummer that they ever had. Steve Sardensky ended up recording everything with them on their, their, their album, but the first live drummer that ever played with them. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was cool. So you started playing in bands. Around what year did you start playing? Say our f- the first band I was ever in was about 2002. So, so you're all, you're about the same as us, about the, the early the early 2000s. Two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Now, what about you, Eric? When did you? You're a little bit younger than us. So uh, when when did you start doing stuff? I got a Blink One Eight Two CD in '97 for Easter. Not even asked for it. Fell in love with punk rock because of Dude Ranch, and went out mowed lawns. Bought my Tom DeLong Strat and then never looked back. I probably started playing at 13, in and out of bands. My first band actually was with Rick Polo. We couldn't play at all, but we still had fun. He has the raw alternative page. Um, and then I played 
in other bands called Still Pulling Through, One Last Chance, All Systems Go with the singer of Made in Canada, Adam Phil, and that was probably the last band I played before me and Ricky started. Yeah, I remember All Systems Go, that's the one band that I, I might have caught you guys out about. Yeah, we played but a few shows, it was short-lived, yeah. but yeah. Sadly, that's usually how it goes. Yep. It's, it's super short-lived. Like, I, track EP and that few shows, and that was it. I mean, shit, I was in, I was in The Runs, was the first band I was in. We were only active for two years. And then the second band I was in was called The Reversitiles, and that was only like another two years, too. So really, I was only really active playing in the scene for yeah. like maybe five years tops. Because once that happened, I, my daughter was born, and then the scene kind of... Dissipated, yeah. Because I did this little little project with two of the guys that I was in the runs with, Bauer and Gino. We were called Caldonia, and we would switch off instruments. So we would just rotate, you know, because I could play all three instruments, and so Gino dabbled, and so did Bauer. So for a while, Bauer was a drummer for Dead City Dillers. Okay, yeah. Before uh, Ethan from Black Casket ended up playing with them. But um, yeah, and and that was kind of like a you know, more like a noise kind of a band, like a noise punk band. And like once my daughter, I was like, I, I couldn't commit to anything. I couldn't really do anything. And it was like, and by that time, the scene was kind of dying anyways. At least that wave of the scene was that dying. Era, yeah, that era kind you of know. disappeared. Yeah. yeah, it was like right as we were fading out, Youngstown, the Youngstown scene grew. Mm-hmm. It was no longer the metal. It was no longer the screamo. It was no longer that... Uh, the new metal stuff that was coming through it it was becoming more of the pop punk sound yeah that were you know, especially with Johnny 3 and the Reynolds and, and, and then eventually like Hollywood Blondes and stuff like that yeah but yeah and like you kind of I mean you guys still had like crowd deterrent and shit like that but it wasn't like as folk and later on obviously yeah. Race Ride and stuff like that would bring it back but there was it was like that weird time period where like the music was kind of shifting emo was becoming more more predominant too. You start yeah. seeing on the emo bands a lot, you know, yeah, especially in our scene. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've had quite yeah. a few in Youngstown. Yeah, 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 we've had a bunch. I mean, singer-songwriters seem to be, you know, um, a couple years in the making as well. I mean, you know, I didn't see a lot of bands. It was more like just guys with acoustic guitars kind of playing like uh, brew houses. But right now it seems relevant that uh, bands are coming back and, and, you know. And you know what's nice too is these, these people that are doing the the singer-songwriter stuff. Like, I just discovered uh, uh, this drifting thing. Yeah. And I just discovered him. Like, he, he he goes out there, and he plays down at the Wickyards a lot, too. Okay, yeah. And, like, yeah, he'll play with, like, he'll open for bands and be on the same bill as a lot of these bands, and it's yeah. honestly, like, I can't fault somebody for making music even if they're by themselves. There's, oh, no, yeah. there's a few of them around. We played with one at a show, yeah. at a Halloween thing, and the dude was really fucking good. It, his, Leo, what Leo, is his? Leo D'Angelo. Yeah, he's and, a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. and he was he, and he was fucking fantastic. Yeah, he's actually, incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. For anybody listening, check out Leo D'Angelo. He's a uh, punk roots, but he does a lot of like old school bluegrass. He touches a lot of like the fifties uh, and thirties kind of culture. Um, you know, maybe flat picking is what it's called, something along the lines of that. Um, mm-hmm. But but he's really good at what he does. I don't know where he draws inf- inspiration from, but. Leo D'Angelo and Johnny Stanek are both uh, out there doing their thing for singer-songwriters in this area. That's awesome. And yeah, we talk about, too, in our, in our backyard, too, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce DiPietro, he's doing uh, like kind of like more like the roots kind of stuff, too, like that. He was playing a nerve ending with uh, 
with Bauer back or, in the yeah, day. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were really good too, actually. They were Yeah, they used to cover they used to cover Pink Floyd. They were almost well, anybody who knows Bauer, uh, which these guys don't, but me and Kramer do, okay. he's the kid that's in the Sonic Youth and oh, like so, yeah. Dinosaur Jr. and like that like early nineties, like kind of noise kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And everything he touches has to have. He plays in alternate tunings. Okay. Like I learned how to play bass. I made the joke: if I can play bass with Bauer playing guitar, I can play bass with anybody. Yeah, because he'd play in alternate tunings. Everything would be A, or like he'd play like G or something. Just weird, weird tunings. Yeah. and I would just like I think I'm playing this song right. I I might be, <laughs> but yeah, he was a nerve ending when he played with Bruce. Uh, they covered uh, Astronomy Domain by Pink Floyd. Incredible. Yeah. And, dude, it was... I have I have the demo somewhere in my scattering of uh, CDs, but that was kind of the kind of the stuff that Bruce and him were doing. But he's, like, doing singer-songwriter stuff, too. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me, though. Yeah, but they were yet another one that were just fantastic. And, um, unfortunately, they never got a chance to do their thing on, like, a big-time yeah. scenario. I always think, like, if, if any band out of the scene could have made it, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about Coin Monster earlier, yeah. um, but we had a band called Mind Latch, and they were new metal, and I went to school with Clint, I went to high school with Clint, and I met all the other guys through them, and um, I'm trying to think, I, I went to school with Tim, too, and they were, like, new metal, but, like, they could have been as big as from a second story window. Yeah, very easy if if, if people were kind of, if people weren't already past the new metal thing, mm-hmm. they would have been. They would have been probably the first band to have been snagged up. Yeah, they almost had sort of a Deftones atmospheric vibe kind of thing. Yeah, Eric could Eric had really good control of his voice. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you drove yourself straight at the ground, and not for one more now. I can't believe we made it out.
not for one and more now I can't believe we made it after all Let me go ahead and touch on influences now. Um, I'll start with you, Eric, because uh, I try to give everybody equal footing. I know you're a huge Blink fan, and I know you're a f- huge NoFX fan. Yeah. Um, when you were starting to come, starting to get into music, like were those the bands that you were gravitating towards while you were getting into music? Blink was mainly my main focus, my favorite band. Then there was Alkaline Trio a lot, um, Mest. They're from Chicago. Um, stuff like that. All the drive-through bands, Alistair, Homegrown. Starting like Line, all those bands. Yeah, starting Line, yeah. Um, then I started this in Rancid, No Effects, got in, you know, all that. And <clears throat> tried to take a pop-punk aspect and a punk aspect and just try to match together where it isn't too poppy or straight-up thrash punk. And, and being from this area, like, were you aware of what was going on with Doghouse? Out of Cleveland? Actually, wasn't Dog... It was originally Cleveland, then they moved to L.A. But they okay. were originally Cleveland, yeah. They were out of the flats. Yeah, I, I knew of them, yeah. Didn't they have... Was it Dollar Just Didn't they start on that label? I believe so, yeah. There was yeah. a couple bands that, like, broke on on there. I think yeah. maybe even Punchline put something out yeah, with them, too. Punchline, they're from Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, before they jumped on Field by Ramen, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sick. Yeah, that that was that was crazy. They got on there, and then Juliana Theory broke, and yeah. all that shit. They got became a big deal. Yeah, they were on a major. Both those bands were. I think Punchline ended up being on Atlantic, and uh, Juliana Theory was like on like Columbia or some shit like that. Like fucking weird, dude. And then Anti Flag was on. But That's another re, yeah. re, reprise for a while. Anti Flag like, was a yeah. big influence for me. Them and MXPX. I, I I used to hang out when uh, it was the the old lineup of Anti Flag. It wasn't the original lineup because Justin's sister was the original in the band too. But when they had Andy and still in the band, I saw them play down in Pittsburgh, oh. like right around the time Die for the Government came out. Oh, so like ninety like ninety seven, dude. Yeah, yeah like I an all ages show. Them in Pittsburgh too at a warp tour, and it was nuts. Dude, people go fucking ape shit for that fucking oh, band. Yeah. 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 I tell people all the time, there's more to Pittsburgh, but I seem to always end up talking about Anti Flag. It's a necessary evil, man. <laughs> It's kind of like the Youngstown and Crowd Deterrent or yeah. Johnny Three. Like, I, yeah. I was talking to JD the one time. I was like, dude, I think I name drop you probably more than anybody <laughs> else yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which he deserves it. Yeah, he does he's deserve good, it. He's an amazing musician, yeah. Yeah, and everything he does is fucking just better. Better cool. and better than he does. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, a, a couple months ago, obviously, like, oh, we were we were talking about something about about influences. So I'll start with you. After I already talked, <laughs> you would have thought I've been drinking. I've just been up since seven o'clock this morning. So fair enough. Okay, so I I worked on editing. Then I went to work. Then I came home, helped my son study, and then I grabbed something to eat real quick and headed out here. So yeah, yeah. I've been nonstop. So. Um, when you got into music, like, what were the bands that were kind of gravitating you towards, like, punk and hardcore? Was there, was there a certain, well, um, certain group grouping that came in? There sort of was. I mean, I, I, I sort of, uh, <clears throat> actually, I'll, I'll say it because my, <clears throat> what led me to punk rock is actually hilarious and most people just get a big kick out of this. So, uh, <laughs> how bad is the band? 
Well, it's not bad. It's just uh, it's just a somewhat of a laughable topic. <laughs> so, uh, so there was a movie from a, ba- a rap group called the Insane Clown Posse. Okay, and, whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, they featured the Misfits in uh, one of their their videos on on their Big Money Hustlers video, um, since I was drawn to bands that painted their faces um, while performing, I, I looked into the Misfits and. Uh, the first record I, I listened to, and, and I'll probably get some hate for this too, is be, it was American Psycho. It wasn't the Danzig era, and which was probably a good, mm. yeah, was probably a good thing because as a kid listening to Danzig era probably would have uh, turned me around and I probably wouldn't have listened to punk. So because it was digestible and it was the Michael Graves era, um, American Psycho, <clears throat> I dove right into it. I got into skateboarding uh, the exact same time period and because the skate culture, the skate videos that had bands in them featured regularly um, led me right down the downward spiral as far as, you know, diving into punk rock bands. And uh, that was sort of my introduction to punk rock. You know, and I can't even fault for people getting into the Misfits with, with the Graves era because you know what? Honestly, going back and listening to the Danzig stuff. Yeah. Every album sounds like shit, dude. Yeah, exactly. Let's not kid ourselves. The production was garbage, dude. Yeah. yeah. The albums, the same ones, you probably want Famous Monsters. Famous Monsters and American Psycho. I mean, those were the two. Yeah, albums. those were two 90s ones. What, like yeah. 95 and 98 or something like that? 1999. Yeah, 97 and 99. 97, 99, yeah. I remember they were breaking back through. because They started in 95 with Graves, though. Oh, okay. They were doing a lot of touring. I think that that was just in the works. I knew it was around the same time when, like, the Sex Pistols started playing live again and yeah. shit like that. That whole big... They put out that, like, that live album and shit like that. Yeah. And I got it, like, everybody... I remember I was like, oh, anybody who knows me knows I hate the fucking Sex Pistols. But just like everybody else, they were, like, one of my gateway bands. Yeah. And it's like, we, we watched a show. It's called uh, The Mass Singer. Okay. And we're celebrities. They conceal who they are, and they sing. They could be actors. They could be musicians. Or they could be singers or football players. Whatever. It could be any any kind of celebrity. Yeah. And we we're listening to this one. He was like the jester, and I'm sitting there going. My wife goes, "It sounds like a punk, guy, like a, like a British punk guy." And yeah. I was like, "Who do you think would do a show like this?" And I'm like, "Who's a British celebrity? A British celebrity who's like a publicity hound." And I was like, oh, Johnny Lydon. And sure as fuck it was him, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. But it was actually cool. I was like, yeah, I don't think as much of a like a celebrity whore like Billy Idol was, I don't even think he would do something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. And it wasn't nobody from like like Blast or like, you know, what's it? Blacks or uh, oh, what's the, not Bad Brains. The one, oh, my buddies and my friends in a Cox bar. Oh, okay. And like yeah. shit like that. I don't want to be anybody like that. But yeah, it's it's Johnny Lydon. By yeah, but uh, I remember that. So that's cool. Like like I said, like um, it that era of the Misfits isn't a bad era to get into because no. the production was there, and it's they were doing good, yeah. more of the doo wop. They were doing more of the yeah, just the clean sounding recordings. And those ones with with Danzig's were, were, were yeah. shit, you know? Well, that's what I totally meant, that like, as a kid, kind of being super used to, like, overproduced music at that time period, only listening to the radio and not really, you know, listening to anything that would have been obscure or underground. Um, you know, hearing the... I, obviously, I could reflect now and listen to all the original Misfits stuff and really dig it because I kind of prepped myself up to that point, but hearing the, uh, the Famous Monsters and uh, American Psycho for the first time was an awesome introduction to punk rock and... Uh, 
basically the queers, teen idols, um, all those kind of pop punk bands. You got into Lookout. Uh, yeah, got into Lookout, got into Operation Ivy, got into Rancid. Um, what was the one that teen idols were on? They were what, Honest Ons. Honest and then Fat Wreck, yeah, that they were doing those things like yeah. Midnight Picture Show and shit like that, yeah. yeah. I have somewhere, I have uh, the VHS that was the Peep Show. Okay, yeah. The one that, that Fat Wreck put out, the Peep Show video cassette. Yeah. And they were on there and like, uh, I'm trying to think, I think like the, maybe like the, was it the Queers or Screeching Weasel might have been on it and like all those kind of like era bands, oh, like, yeah. you know. Descendants, all that shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But um, so I'm I'm gonna ask you this question next. But I want to start. Favorite misfit since you drop misfits. Favorite misfit song. Favorite misfit song. Um, hold on one second here. Um, Death comes ripping. Good one. Yeah. I might get shit for mine. Yeah. Where eagles dare. Oh, that's yeah, but that's yeah. very good though. Yeah, that, like, but nobody says it though. Like yeah. they'll they'll go back and they'll 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 say. You know, die my darling, or yeah. they'll say, you know, whatever the people last caress, last yeah. Caress, yeah. But nobody says when Eagles Dare, and I think that's where yeah. Eagles Dare is. That's my a really favorite. good tune, yeah. yeah. It, it rips, yeah. yeah. Death Comes Ripping for me was uh, was really cool because obviously there was an era where everybody was covering the Misfits. I think there was even a record designated to that, but uh, uh, Cradle of Filth actually covered Death Comes Ripping, and not many people even know about that because it kind of just you know, it goes by the wayside. There's a name I haven't heard in a while, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Cradle of Filth. But, but yeah, their, their cover of the Misfits, um, Death Comes Ripping, is and really it's not awesome like this. justice. It's not like this. I always talk shit about Cradle of Filth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to do it too with Earth Crisis. Oh, yeah, I used to yeah, see yeah. Earth Crisis all the time. I used to go up to, uh, up to Rochester, New York. Yeah. There was a good scene going on in Warren, oh, PA at the time. Yeah. So we just like, like 20 minutes away from from Warren so we would go hop over there and I would see every time I saw Earth Crisis I would make fun of the singer oh, yeah. while he was playing <laughs> yeah. I was like this is so bad I would go, dude I got into so many fights up there the whole straight edge thing dude that was dude, a tough I, thing to be a part of oh yeah it was not fun dude and thank God it never really happened around here that never really got real bad around here it, it did to an extent but it was it was a lot you know, not quite as bad as like Buffalo or Syracuse. It wasn't that FS, the FSU crew and shit like that. That was real bad. Yeah, that was really bad. Boston, Massachusetts, where that would have been. Mm-hmm. And that trickled down to Albany and trickled yeah. down to Buffalo and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. But my favorite band seeing up there, I, I was lucky enough to see them countless times. Um, I got to see uh, Buried Alive a lot. Uh, but my favorite band was Snapcase. Oh, yeah. Every Snapcase. time I saw Snapcase play, dude, I was like, yeah. dude, this is something. That's incredible, yeah. Yeah, we were me and my buddy were just at a record store up at the exchange up at Hermitage, and I came across two records, and I thought about getting them, but they were each like 30 bucks a piece. And one was uh, The Shape of Punk to Come from The Refused, yep. and the other one was Designed Through Automation yeah. from Snapcase. Yeah. But I looked, and there was like no bonus tracks, and I'm like, yeah. uh, I have this on CD. Do I really need it on vinyl? Just to listen to it once and then listen to it on Spotify later. I like yes. nah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll ask you favorite Blink song. Oh God! Uh, Come on, man. You want to weigh on on this too? I mean, yeah, my favorite's uh, Apple Shampoo. I was going yeah, Apple Shampoo. Uh, I was going between Apple Shampoo and I don't know, Pathetic. 
Minds of aliens exist. Okay, yeah. Alien, yeah that's just okay. because that's, hindsight's twenty twenty yeah. with with Tom. Yeah, yeah, with Tom, yeah. yeah that, that became like apropos all of a sudden. So, <laughs> nope. yeah. Anthem Part Two was a great Anthem song. Part two. Groups, yeah. And you can't go wrong with like Josie. You can't yeah. go wrong with Damn It. Yeah. You know what? You know what? One album that I got into, I, I, I shit on it when it came out, and it's actually become my favorite album by them, uh, more so than Dude Ranch. But uh, self-titled. But oh, yeah. oh, self-titled originally came out, I fucking hated it. I was like, fuck these guys. This sounds like the Smiths, dude. Fuck you. And then I went back 10 years later and listened to that album back. And I'm just like, that was a great fucking record. Yeah, they, they, That's they, like their version of Pinkerton. Yeah, like, it's so they, weird. They, oh, yeah, yeah they, they, branched, they branched out a lot. And um, even still to this day, I don't even know if it's my favorite, but my... The Blink song that I would listen to the most is I Miss You. Mm-hmm. That one's like right up my wheelhouse. And it's not mm-hmm. even necessarily a punk song. I just like yeah, the vibe oh of yeah. it. So. I see. Every time it comes on, my wife has a playlist on her Spotify. It, it, that'll come on. And I'll just be, I'll close my eyes and I just sing it. And I'll tell my wife, like, hey, do you know that that was written? Like, it started out as like love letters from like his grandfather to his wife while he was in war. Yeah, because there was that section that, where the section that talks grandpa, yeah, in the war, yeah, the part that Mark sings that's that that's the part of yeah, the love letter, yeah, the Stockholm syndrome. That that's a great, song. oh, that's a great one too. Yeah. Feeling this, yeah. that's a great were, opener, dude. Well, yeah. that whole album they recorded themselves. They rented out a house in California and said, "Yeah, go away for as long as we need you to. We're gonna pay you." And they just had a free range in the house M three, and that's actually. Yeah. And then who ended up mastering was it Ben Feldman? Did somebody go back yeah, and I ask for that? that? Jerry, it might have been Jerry. Was Jerry Vince still with Blink at that time? Oh, he might have. Because M, he, was, he was with Emina. I know that. And I'm was, not really sure. I don't think he was on Take the, Off Your Shirt. I don't think, Take I don't Off think Your Pants came jacket. out in 01 and self-title was 03. Yeah. But, mm. You about Neighborhoods, too. Man. Neighborhoods, I questioned <laughs> it first. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I'm going to bow out of that <laughs> one, dude. Like, I tried. Hurts All Gone is a really good song. Natives, too. Yeah, Natives. Natives yeah. Is Hurts All Gone, I mean, that's like one of the best Blink songs ever. Nobody even listened We can to all it. agree. Yeah. We can all agree that that one album, they what was the first uh, the first album Skiba was on. Uh, California. Yeah. California. That album's trash. I uh, I listen. Uh, I listen to that. I listen to that. Nines one. grew on me. Nines grew on me, but not, 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 not. not. I, I listened to the Skiba one a lot whenever it came out because I love them. I, I I love Trio, and I just saw them recently at the show they played down in Pittsburgh. Nice. But, I do uh, love Trio. But I, I I saw them live on that tour that summer that it came out and it was a they had a very good sound going on live oh, it, it, it was it was the best sound that i've ever heard them play live yeah, it was yeah, yeah. fantastic i've never heard trio play a bad show ever yeah. mm-hmm, no um so where were we at okay so i asked them did you give it your favorite blink song aj yes yes i miss you that was my <coughs> that, yeah, that was my pick I'll give you your choice too. Favorite Misfits song? Um, for certain, I don't know why this is. I've been listening to it since I was a kid. Is uh, TV Casualty? TV Casualty. Uh, yeah. Okay, that that's one that's a little bit more obscure. Because yeah, like, I'll allow. I, because I I love movies, man. That's yeah. my thing. I listen to that song so fucking much. I can't even describe why. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. I think that was one of the first bands. I think not only did they cover horror, but they were also covering like sci-fi. Oh yeah. And that got me totally into like other bands who do it now, like. The, the more the popular bands I'm into now, like whether it's the Proton Packs or it's yeah, like, 
you know, the stuff like, uh, I don't know if you listen to Giant Eagles. Yeah, I do. It's uh, the dude from the windowsill and yeah, yeah. the Apers. Yeah, the drummer from the Apers. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he's the drummer too, and then the yeah. guitar player Marion. Okay. Yeah, he good. just started. He just came out with another album. They're called the Shibbies. Okay. They're on. They're Yeah, they're good. Yeah, dude. good. It's what you want, yeah. dude. Like, but that Giant Eagle record, they talk about like what, like robots and like oh, yeah, weird yeah. shit like that, and I was like, that Giant Eagles. It's called Second Landing. Yeah. Has Dude, the eagle the, on the front with the uh, astronaut. The astronaut, yeah, I have it on. I have it on orange vinyl. Oh, do you? Yeah. Like I waited. Like I called. Like I, 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 I messaged John from Mom's basement, and I was like, "Do you have any orange left?" And he goes, "Dude, we're sold out." He's like, "But, but, yeah, I'm getting a shipment. I'm just waiting it to come over from Monster Zero because yeah. that's that's who they got him through in Europe." So he was waiting for Kevin to send him over for Monster Zero, and I waited. And he's like, "Dude, they're in," and I went boop yeah. and got that fucking orange vinyl, dude. That was yeah. best yeah. album of 2020, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's pop punk with like synths and stuff like that, but like their topics, the topics that they talk about are just like crazy. Like yeah. they just talk about monsters and like oh, yeah. horror aspects. But they have a song called "Lost My Heart Overseas." And it's, dude, it's such a great fucking song. Down, download it. It's good. Anyways, so let's go into AJ and how he got into music. Uh, well. Punk in, specific. Well, very much so. Um, in 1992, my friend Nathan from PA and I became friends. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, however, we saw a band, a cover band play at our high school talent show one year, and we decided we can do that better. We were not able to do it better. So, uh, Was that brooding, son? <laughs> no, no, I can't even remember what they were called, but um, yeah, we, yeah we, didn't, we didn't do it better or, or even well, but we, we were learning. So um, <laughs> That's all we were doing back then, man. We were trying to figure the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, and so, and th- the whole time I was listening to everything from the Misfits to Nirvana to Sunny Day Real Estate to fucking Machine Head or I sh- or should I say Machine Fucking Head Machine they, Fucking uh, Head that's right you put some stank on that name yeah, respect yeah, yeah as, as, as they put it and then like 1999 rolls around and my friend Joshua Patterson and I who you may know actually I know Patterson yeah, yeah man and we were uh, he was another guitarist he's actually probably the ma- he's probably the best musician that I know like the guy's insane yeah he, he's, he's, he's do you he's, see what he does with the redoing with his guitars and I, shit he, I have his YouTube channel and everything he's he's amazing so um, I was like actually learning to play guitar better from him from just being in a band with him and then 1999 rolls around and we encountered Ivette for the first time and I was like fucking baffled by it because they were like a groove metal band and it, they were like a groove metal band that sounded like Jeff Buckley if it were like metal or mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. so that sort of changed the game as far as learning how to play guitar in the way in which to go about it um, not that that's really punk but that's just sort of the circumstance that it was at the time but uh, yeah so then I really latched on to some of the lesser known stuff like one of my favorite bands is Banner Pilot I, I love them a lot they uh, Spanish Reds by them is like actually one of my favorite songs ever and I, I, and I try to use that as like a framework good pull dude yeah <laughs> yeah whenever we are like configuring songs here I try to like not really copy but take influence from their their two vocal style that they have going on and uh, and go from there and then uh, an- another band that was a favorite is um, one that I'm seeing tomorrow in fact uh, Boston Manor 
and uh, specifically their song Leica was was huge as well. And again, that's like another that's like a British pop punk kind of thing. Um, Good band, but yeah, they're fantastic. So despite having spent all these years playing in metal bands and other various things of that nature. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, I was, I was uh, well, actually myself and Patterson, we were both big into the Misfits and we were always covering like Green Hell by the Misfits and doing shit, uh, shit like that. Um, but yeah, the whole time playing in all these metal bands, I was, um, I was listening to everything from the, uh, from the Offspring again to like Alkaline Trio and uh, also My Chemical Romance was also a big one for me as well. Shh, you're not supposed to. But they, well, you know what it was specifically? I've been owning my shit lately, so it's cool, dude. I turned 40, I was like, fuck what people think. I like Fall Out Boy, screw you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Same with, like, said we're playing Good Charlotte on the DL. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, but... You can't hide it anymore. (laughs) And and it's okay to cherry pick specific songs. Um, Specifically, I don't love... Chemical Romance. They're not my favorite band ever, but specifically when they covered uh, the Bob Dylan song uh, Desolation Row. Yes. And, and they did it in a super punk rock way. Yeah. And it was one of the coolest things that I'd ever heard ever. I think it was like on the Watchmen soundtrack. I for, think like, you're I, right. I think that's what it was Yeah. From. So. Uh, and then they put it out like on like a, like a B-side rarity scene. Yeah. And, like yeah. That. And I think they may have even put it out. Actually, no, they did put it out because I fucking own it. They, uh, they did a picture disc vinyl. Oh, okay. And, and, and yeah, I don't know why that was. Was it a what is it like a CD single it, or like a vinyl single? It, it would no. What it was is it has the Watchmen smiley face and it's a vinyl picture disc of the Watchmen soundtrack. Is what it is. Oh, that's rad, dude. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know why that escaped me, but it's literally hanging on my wall, framed in my apartment as we speak. So. Oh.
always thought it was cool. Like, I, I, I got into them when Three Cheers from Sweet Revenge came out. And they, wait, was that was that the album or was it one album before? You brought, it might have been, you brought me, brought me your bullets, I brought you my yeah, love. Was, yeah. They had the werewolves over Monroeville. It's like one of the last songs on there. And obviously, you know, it's kind of a crossover with Evil Dead and, and that whole Monroeville connection and shit like that. And I thought that was really cool because they're from fucking Jersey. But like, the thing that I, I went back and revisited my Chemical Romance because my we we got into the show um uh, umbrella academy yeah and, and yeah, that's, he wrote that, yeah that's, that's gerald yeah 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 that's his thing that's his uh he did the graphic novel i believe yeah he did yeah, the yeah. graphic novel and he's like a consultant on the movie and my son got huge into it and he was actually number five for anybody who's seen the show he was number five uh Oh, the yeah. Halloween before the pandemic, he went as number five. Yeah, that's what we got into it, dude. Yeah. Probably, well, probably one of the best shows mm-hmm. of like the last. And, like, and th- that 10 dude, years. Fi- that dude five is actually, in my opinion, that's one of the best characters on TV, just in general. He's yeah, yeah, he's great. He and it was it was weird because before that, my kids used to watch Disney Channel, and he or no Nickelodeon. He was on a show called Ricky Ricky Nicky Ricky Dicky and Dawn and they were like quadruplets and he was one of the kids and literally the show ended a year later he tries out for fucking this this show and he fucking gets the party because he had read the comic yeah. He had read the graphic novel and was like legit a fan. He's like, I want his like his like manager is like, no, you don't want to do something like that. He's like, no, shut the fuck up. I want to do this. Yeah. He's like 15 years old and he dove in, dude. And he's the best part that of that that yeah. show, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very. And they they, they have a uh, they have, they also have a great like punk rock ish soundtrack on that show as well. Actually, they, oh, they, they, did you hear the the cover of the Hazy Shade of Winter? Yeah, yeah, oh, they, they did, yeah. They, that's they, my favorite Bangles song. Well, yeah. excuse me, my favorite Simon and Garfunkel song. Ah, nice. But I love the Bangles version of that. Yeah. A little, a little yeah, yeah they, they're always doing shit like that, and I, I I love it. I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out because uh, to all my friends and in, in people up in Hamilton, Ontario, because that's actually where they shoot that show. Oh, there you go. So, so there you go. I have a buddy of mine who listens to the podcast that would like to shout out to mm-hmm. Hamilton, because yeah. that's where he resides. Hey, that works. And, I'm, <laughs> and spoiler, I'm going to have one of his bands launch here probably in January. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get into the Canadian bar. I, dude, I've, dude, I've recorded, I've done interviews with people in Germany and in, in England, and I had yet to do one in Canada. I'm like... Dude, we're literally fucking two and a half hours from Canada, and I haven't had a single person from Canada on the podcast. It's like, what a horrible fucking person I am. But they've learned. They've learned. After this will be, what, episode 35, so they've, they've, they've come to know. That's awesome. But, uh, but so next, I want, I want to talk about Gallon. I want to talk about our affiliation together. I mean, how we got together. Obviously, everybody knows how I, how I came to know AJ. And then about three years ago, you were looking, you were kind of doing multiple things going on and you were kind of doing multiple things and you were looking kind of like to work with like a, a guitar player or bassist or whatever yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. And me and you had started talking through a Youngstown, Youngstown music scene. Yeah, a music scene. Yeah, yep. And we started talking and come to find out you knew him. Yeah, we started yeah. coming out. We knew we knew the Violent Offense guys. We knew you Johnny know Stiv, Johnny yeah. Three, like, all, all those guys, yeah. Teabagger, all those guys, and um, I thought that was really cool. So we we ended up having our kind of own separate relationship. Yeah, 
away from him, whilst me stopping with it, just by knowing and Mm -hmm. talking, talking, getting reacquainted, hanging, you know, talking with AJ again, getting to know Eric, Mm -hmm. finally, Um, he was the odd man out, but bass players always are. Yeah. Have you ever noticed yeah, that? It seems that way. <laughs> but um, trust me, I was a bass player. I understand how it is. But I was always the loud guy. Like, I was, like, the obnoxious guy in the band. Yeah. Like, I was always trying to, like, get the pit going and, like, screaming at people in the crowd and shit. I was, like, I was drunk a lot. But anyhow, <laughs> we, would do, we would play all ages shows. We talked about being a couple... A couple times, Freddie Fresh just gets brought up for oh, sure. Yeah. It was all ages, yeah. but I would go in with like the sixty-four ounce sheets cup, yeah. and half of it was fucking BV, and the other was like, and I'd come in like I'm drinking a pop, and yeah. fucking uh, 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 Anthony, his brother, Freddie's brother, it's like, what are you drinking? Yeah. And he'd come over and he'd sell my stuff. I said, like, don't let Freddie know you're doing that. I'm like, just shut your mouth, dude. Yeah, I'm yeah, playing yeah. the show and I promise to behave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, it's all you guys are gonna pay me anyway. Just give me pizza, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that, yeah, that was the way. Whenever when we used to play there, back in the day, our methodology was first step A was at that point getting somebody who was actually over twenty one to I was to, 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 to comply with what we wanted, and we actually we would hit up Brookfield. We'd go through the drive through, remember? Yeah. So well, we would sneak in. We we our thing. We would sneak in the little airplane bottles of Jameson. And just have them stashed in all the corners of like your pockets and your backpack in there. In the guitar case over there, there may have been one. So yeah, that that was the methodology back then. Yeah, I remember the cellar when we were young. I used to take a whole bottle of vodka and dump it in a water bottle. Just walk right in yeah. with the water bottle. That was the trick, man. I would, I would get. We would go up on stage. We had well, the one time we had. I know we were talking about Gallon. We were all we're all just getting. We're just fuck it. We're just we're not trying to stay online, but. <laughs> But this is a good enough episode. I'm sure the, the listener will just have to deal with our rambling incoherently at times. Yeah. But uh, the 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 thing that I liked about back in the new the Newcastle Sharon scene is we would have these battle of the bands, or it wasn't even like battle of the bands. It was like just like they were supposed to be battle of the bands, but basically it was just excuse to get like all the bands together. together yeah. So Freddie Freshes did this one. It was. Uh, it was two nights or two days. It was Saturday and Sunday, and literally every band played it. Yeah. His that was when you were in EOE. Right. I was in the runs, and it was like Antihero played, Mind Latch played, uh, from a second story window played, uh, War Between One. It was literally like everybody that was like, like the Newcastle Sharon scene played yeah. this, and there had to have been God, what like probably. Probably close, like maybe close to twenty bands. It was it was monstrous. I remember my favorite band was a band from Hermitage or Sharon. They were called Envoy. Yeah, well, Envoy was a great band. I, yeah. Nobody name drops them, dude. Yeah, they were very good. Yeah, but they would play, and those were always cool. And we would it, all the bands would say, yeah, like even for playing that day, like I think Black Casket played the one night too. I think that might have been like the headliner. Yeah, they were another horror punk band. They were phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Ethan St. Clair. Uh, <laughs> and, and Stove and Flamina. And, uh, not Flamina. Uh, Who was D- their D- drummer? Uh, Dave and, um, uh, was, it, was his name Phil? Was it, uh. Oh, damn it, dude. <laughs> yeah, brain. It Ethan Stove, and I can't remember the. Oh, what the fuck, dude? Mike. Mike, that's <laughs> it, Mike, that's it, that's it. <laughs> we were gonna, we were gonna get there. Yeah. yeah, Ethan's a good dude, man. He actually, he played with DCD too. Yeah. That CD dealers too for a while after, uh, Mario's brother left. Mario Sapanero. 
Yeah. Yeah, his little brother played drums and then he left and he went back to play with Trestle Jumper up in Warren and then Ethan played drums for them. Yeah, and like they did the horror punk thing very well and I even took influence from like what we're doing now from mm-hmm. from them. Yeah. Like, like as far as um my whole little shtick of wearing like suits and ties and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of like I was like, "Oh, you're allowed to do that. You're okay, great." Uh, you don't just have to wear like a Nirvana t-shirt or something. So I kind of like plucked that from their repertoire. I was like, yeah. okay, good enough, good idea. Yeah, yeah I always like when bands don't. Like, I like when bands don't give a fuck, dude. Oh yeah, that's really what I think. Like at, at at our age, the level of I don't give a fuck is out like out the window. Like we just don't oh, care. Know. Like enough, like all the shit we were hung up on when we were in our twenties. It's like, nah, I don't really care anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And that's that's our approach now, because back in the day, you would be worried if something was too much, if something sounded too much like this or too much like that. Um, and so we've kind of, like, abandoned that whole idea. Even the, the ten songs that are written on that paper there are wildly fucking different from one another. Yeah.
Okay. Well, that fucking sucked. We got we got we got kicked off. So well, and we're back. It's, what were we talking about? Oh, it was oh uh, the ten songs. Not 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 giving a fuck. Not giving a fuck. Ten songs. Not 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 giving a fuck. Sticking to one genre. Yeah, basically, just even just the ten songs on that paper right mm-hmm. there, wildly different. So we. Again, like I said, we've abandoned the idea of trying to stick to one specific genre, even though it does. That pisses people off. So yeah. uh, sometimes, well, well, there's always going to be a hater here and there. Not but. fans, but like certain yeah. friends are like, "Why are you? Why this? And why that? Yeah. And like, I think our approach uh, opposed to trying to <clears throat> do as much because we're, we're all we're all completely different as far as influence and what we're currently listening to. Our take is more or less just Gatlin. As long as it's a Gatlin, as long as it, it, it you know works for this band, we're gonna do what what we want to do. And because ninety percent of the time <clears throat> there isn't enough pop punk bands for us to play shows with, so we want to be able to blend in evenly with all the other stuff that's going on around here, and it usually works real well. So, well, you caught my attention, obviously, and uh, me and a buddy of mine who we all know, Mike, we yeah. started the record label. This is just a record label. Shameless plug. I do that on my other podcasts all the time. Shameless plug. Um, also, Zedial Files. Catch it on all your podcasting sites. Shameless plug. Uh, that's one me and Sam do together. But um, so I, we decided we were going to put out the compilation. This is just a compilation. And you guys were one of the first bands I contacted for it. To be total, total disclosure, no blowing smoke up your asses. Um, you guys were the first local band that I contacted, actually. Um, I think the first two were the Prozacs and Lesser Creatures, and you guys were third. Well, we really... So literally, really early on when the was doing the cop, you guys yeah. were already slated on it. Well, we, awesome. were, we really appreciated that from you, because, yeah. because there is... There are, there's some really solid shit on that, compl- uh, on that comp. You guys did, like... A very good job. Mm-hmm. I still don't know. I still don't know how the fuck we did it. It's like I'm just like it's it, dude. It's been months, and I'm just like, did I seriously get these fucking bands on here, dude? Yeah. It, it is super diverse. However, it just works. It just flows well all yeah. the way down. I say that's a week and a half of me painstakingly listening to how songs end and how songs start, yeah. and just just like when you, when you remember making mix CDs and mixtapes. Yeah. You per- you painstakingly sat with 20 tracks that you wanted to put on an album and were like, this point, needs to flow yeah. right. And I literally looked at it as I was making a mix CD. But except this is going, people are buying this. So it has to be, there was that extra pressure on there. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we ended up having 31 bands. And I actually had to cut three bands off because we had to hit over. So originally, we had 31 bands for that comp. And we had to cut down because we ran out of time. So it's 28 tracks and 75 minutes because the average CD holds like 80 minutes or something like that. So we had to condense on there. But yeah, like you guys were one of the first bands that you guys, you're the first local bands. And early on when I was going through the list, I was like, you guys needed to be at the very beginning of the CD. You had to because the way I was doing, obviously the Prozacs were going to be the first track because... It's the the theme song for the podcast. Um, for anybody who doesn't know yet, that's it's called Let's Go. But And then I had Neon Bone, and then you guys came on right after Neon Bone. Mm-hmm. And just the way... I, it's not even that Gumbo's voice and AJ's voice sync up good. Like, they don't sound like yeah, each other. Yeah. 
but it was something about when I was doing it, I was like, these tracks have to be there. Yeah. And then I had added tapes right after you. I was like, oh, oh, this is money, dude. Like, the first four tracks were set, dude. And then I just had to build the other 24. So, like, the way that starts, dude, it had to start strong. And you guys, since you were one of the younger bands on the comp, Mm -hmm. you needed to be front and center. I was like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna represent local bands, and this is what I want to do with the label, is really put a focus on the local bands. Then this has to be up there. This has, mm-hmm. like, my wife calls it the hit of the comp. Yes, well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, like she's like your biggest supporter, like yeah. more even more than me. She's like, she's like going. She's like, she's like. And that's Kramer singing. I said, "Yeah, that's Kramer singing." Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, well, tell her thanks. Oh, tell her I said hi. By the way. Oh, I will. <laughs> Yaya has become a celebrity with the with the pop. I, I did an episode with her. Yeah. It was like the outside, the punk scene from an outsider episode. We spent like twenty minutes talking about like Dave Matthews and like Galvin <laughs> DeGraw and shit like that. <laughs> ah, nice. And she's like, "Why do I sound drunk?" <laughs> I was like, were you hitting the sauce, baby, in the bathroom? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and I had you guys on, and obviously we were in talks even before the comp came out oh, yeah. that I wanted, because you guys had recorded this album, the four main songs, o- over a year ago. And with everything, with the pandemic and everything, it never had the opportunity to come out. No, and you kind of sat on it. Kind of sat, yeah, it was just idle. And I had seen you guys play at the Letters Reunion show in August. Yeah. And you actually had some audio from that show. Yeah. And the three live songs that are on that are going to be on the EP were taken from that show. They were. Yeah. And that was a great show. And that was the first time seeing you guys live. Yeah. And it was the three songs that I, I think I got there. I think I got there. You were playing... Uh, it was early on the sh- it was early on the show. I'm trying to remember what it was. Maybe it was Let Go when I got there. Maybe yeah, or Symmetry or something. Like it was either Let Go or well, Symmetry. Those, those were pretty early. Yeah, pretty. Like it was like I just got there because I had to drive up from from obviously from Newcastle to come yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were the first band playing that night. We opened yeah. up. It was still sunny and really nice. Um, towards the evening, it was. Horrible weather, so we dodged the bullet on that one. But it was cool, though, when when letters played, everybody was in the fucking garage. <laughs> that was really cool. But we, you know, and then not now. That the next day, me and me and me and Mike talked about doing the label. Yeah. I said, I, 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 I said, dude, I'm thinking about starting a label. I was like, I had a lot of fun last night. Yeah. It was a lot of fun seeing the bands that that I got to see. It was for as long as I've known Mike, that was the first time I ever saw letters play. Holy, yeah. Uh, because I was kind of on the out on the scene. Like I wasn't going to shows as much. And every time I wanted to go see them, it was either far or I just... Just didn't... Yeah, them. life was crazy for a while for yeah. me with taking care of my uh, wife's grandparents for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of out of commission for a while. So, And then I got to see you guys, which was a focus for me. I wanted to be there early to catch you guys. Um and then the other bands I played, it was a lot of fun. I was like, I was telling them, I was like, dude, that was a great show, and nobody will know these fucking bands. Other than people there, nobody's going to know these guys. There was some great stuff there. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tough Cuffs, dude. Holy yeah. fuck, dude. Yeah. I've never got, I, I, I had a semi. I'm not going to lie. When they, yeah. when they played that little bit of a semi, I was like, yeah, yeah. somebody raided their dad's fucking album collection, dude. Because yeah. they were busting out like shit like. 
like Jesus and Mary Chain and shit like that, dude. I'm like, holy fuck, man. They got they got better as they played too. The songs just got deeper and more unique as they played. Yeah, and there was a couple other bands too. Um, Neighbor Dan was a great band too. Yeah. Um, and then there was the one uh, with the keyboard player. What the fuck were they called? Meat Department. Meat Department. Yeah, that was all the bands that night were great. Yeah, they were good. And I was I was texting Mike and I was like, dude, like nobody's gonna hear these bands other than us. Yeah. These are gonna be other bands that fall through the cracks. Yeah, just kind of just yeah. like everybody else, that'll be like somebody has their seven inch in a fucking in their basement. Yeah. And I was like, dude. What if I start a label? And he was like, Yeah, he's like, Do you want to do it with me? And he's like, Yeah, let's fucking do it. Yeah. And then instantly when we came up with the idea of doing it, we came up with the comp and I was like, let's try to get Gatlin out. Yeah. And it was right away. It was instantaneous. Let's yeah. do Gatlin. Not only do I want your band to be heard, but your band is the type of band that is a keystone of any successful label. You have to have that first band that sets the tone for the fucking label. And I wanted that band to be you. Yeah. And it was, it's not blowing smoke up your ass or anything like that. Like, I felt like with the connection I have with you, AJ, yeah. connection I, ha- I had made with you and the yeah. connection I made with you, I was like, let's start. This is ground fucking zero. Yeah, we really appreciate that. Fearless Leader was a standout track on the comp, and this needs to be the first band we push. That's incredible. We have to push yeah, it. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome, man. appreciate it a lot. And like like I said, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who that have bought the comp, other bands that have gotten copies of the comp. And like I told you earlier, Jay Prozac, he liked yeah. your track. Yeah. And that's high esteem right there. Yeah. You know what that's, I mean? That, that's a huge fucking compliment. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because, because, the, because, I mean, like, that, that dude's like the master, you know? Yeah. He's, what, and you do talk to him. He's so fucking humble. Like, I talked to him for hours. Mm-hmm. He's a genesis for why I started the podcast. Me and him had a five-hour conversation. Yeah. One day, I'd lost my, my electric had gone out. And it was like after a storm, and my electric was out for a couple hours. And so I was like, I didn't know what to fucking do. And I'm like, he's like, what's up, dude? You want, you want to talk? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So he fucking called me. Me and him were on the phone for five fucking hours. I got off the phone, and I was like, dude... I could do this all the time. <laughs> like, this is really easy. So, yeah, shout out to Jay Pros like, for not only digging the Gatlin track, but also being inspirational. He already does. I tell him all the time. He says I'm trying to give him a big head. But <laughs> from one of the most humblest people in the world. But, yeah, like I said, like I'm excited. You guys have your CD release show on December 11th. Uh, it's Youngstown, Ohio. A place called the Wick Yards, which is, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a former funeral parlor turned into a DIY uh, all-ages venue. Probably about as punk rock as you could possibly get yeah, yeah, in this area. The only thing that would make it more punk is there was actually bodies still there. If there were a dead <laughs> yes. person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the yeah. walls. <laughs> dude, I walked around that place looking for a casket, dude. I really did. I was like... No, well, they're there. No, they're, no, they're, they're there. Yeah. Like the, the, one that, the one that's in the main, like that stage room, I wanted to lie in it, but yeah. the... But the dude, Eric, he was just like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're kind of a sick fuck, aren't you, AJ? <laughs> I want to sleep in here. So for anybody listening, they're, they're playing, like I said, December 11th. Um, it's going to be Gatlin is their CD release party. And we also have a one if by land who we talk about all the time. Fred Oakman is a fucking legend in, in our scene. 
Uh, dude's been doing it for 25 years. Um, still killing it with bands like the Torpentines and Signal Home and his solo stuff and with uh, One If By Land. And uh, we also have a, a band that just recently got back together. They're called uh, It's All Been Done. Uh, they're kind of grungier, but really good band. They'll be playing the show, too, um, as well as Mike's band Letters, who will be playing uh, their God, their second show since their, since our hiatus. And they're going to be playing as well, and it's going to be a good time. And it's promoted by, this is just a record label in the Wickyards, uh, through a really cool dude, Eric, that runs it. And our boy Paul Goon's going to be doing audio and video that night. It's going to be a good time. And I implore anybody to check it out. Go to this is just a record label group, uh, the Facebook uh, page, and that's where you can go and accept an invite or an, uh, Gatlin's uh, page, as well as my uh, my own individual pages as well and groups. Um, and I implore everybody who's in the area, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Fuck, even Dayton, dude. Drive your ass up from Dayton and come and check out a great fucking show. Um, so, but I want to take a moment to thank you, AJ, Eric, and Rick. Thank you so much for being on this podcast, man. Thank you. And I can't thank wait you. for this show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I uh, hope we sell a lot of CDs. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, dude. We, You're welcome, my man. We appreciate it in a big, bad way. This, is, uh, this has been the best. Awesome. Well, you guys have a great night, and uh, this is me signing off with the guys from Gatlin. Talk to you later, guys. Thank you. Good evening. Thank you.